This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. All right, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're stoked to be here as much as I am to be teaching this word. Uh, We're in part six. Can you believe it? We don't normally do sermon series this long, uh, but we are uh, because we really want to go through this whole book, all right? Our goal is to literally read every verse, every word out of the book of Ephesians. So we are in chapter five today. It's good to see you guys. I am honestly stoked to just be teaching this here with you. And um, let's just jump right in, all right? So if you got your Bibles, we are literally going to hang out in Ephesians chapter five. We're gonna start with verse one. Let me pray, and we are going to dive into God's word today. Uh, Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you minister to us. Uh, Lord, we've come to your table to receive from you, and we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that we hear uh, the truth of your word, not only, uh, Lord, in a natural sense, but I pray that we hear revelation, that we get a word from you for us, for ourselves, that we receive a word, uh, Lord, that is for us, Lord, a present truth. Lord, we, we, we pray that there's just a, a, a solid spiritual impartation of the divine word of God in our soul today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, here we go, guys. We're gonna just jump right into this. Um, so please wait for me there at Ephesians 5.1. I just wanna give a little um, kind of thought to today so we kind of know what's going on. Um, I do encourage you, if you have not uh, watched or listened to the podcast of this series, I encourage you to go back This is a pretty extensive study on the book of Ephesians. You're going to get uh, cultural context, historical background. You're going to get uh, what was the writer um, saying, uh, what was his um, original um, intent, uh, who wrote it, where did he write it from, like all that good stuff. And also, how does this apply to us? Like what's the big picture of Ephesians? And so some right where we are in chapter 5, It's continuing the theme, which is really, I think, about halfway through chapter four into almost halfway through chapter six and all of chapter five, there is a theme of the old man and the new man. And it's really talking about spiritual growth um, that, um, as we've said before, kind of the main idea of Ephesians, and, and it can be worded different ways, but the way we're wording it for for the purpose of this series is this right here, is that Ephesians tells us that the gospel story reshapes every part of our story. And so chapter one, two, and three is about the gospel story. Um, It's full of the promises of God, who we are in Christ, speaks to our new identity. We are this new humanity, this new creation in Christ, And these are the benefits of that. This is the true position of where we are spiritually as a result of Christ, faith in Christ. 
and everything he's done for us, okay? And then you get to chapter four and it really starts to talk about, it's separated by one word, we've shared this before, first part of Ephesians 4, one, it says, I therefore, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy. So that's what we're gonna look at even more. We're gonna really dive deep into walking worthy of this gospel, of this grace, that this isn't just, um, just uh, you know, chapter one, two, and three isn't just like a really cool thing, okay, like God loves us. But no, this shows, Ephesians tells us that the gospel reshapes us, transforms us, that we are not conformed to the world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. I know that verse specifically is written in Romans, but this is what the gospel does, okay? And so here we go, all right? That's what we're gonna get into. Now, um, before I read this, I really, wanna, I really wanna talk about it just because chapter five, if, if I could be honest, it is very challenging, okay? It is, this is really uh, speaking the truth in love as we read about in Ephesians 4. Like, Paul is not playing around here, okay? Like, when, when he wrote this, he's talking to this church in Ephesus, the Holy Spirit to us today, God is not playing around. Like, like this is about coming out of some stuff, being sanctified, laying aside the old nature, not, not being like the world, uh, living a holy life like this right here is our goal. This is what the gospel does, okay? And so let's dive into this. And it really jumps in to the deep end with the first verse, all right? So Ephesians chapter five, verse one and two, I'll read the first two verses. And this gives you an idea of what Ephesians five is all about. And here it is, therefore, here he is again, therefore, okay, be imitators of God as dear children. Okay, verse two, and walk in love. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. And so here we go, it's jumping right in. So really my first point is, is this, it's just two words, but it's a lifestyle change. This is what the gospel does. The gospel isn't just a religious rhetoric a religious doctrine that I ascribe to. Um, walking with God just isn't, it's not, a, it's not like some religion did I just join, you know? This gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ changes my lifestyle. Now, does it happen overnight? No. Does it happen in a moment? No. Are we saved in a moment by his grace through faith? Yes. But is my lifestyle and my mindset, my emotional state, uh, uh, the things I do, the way I live, the way I talk, does that all change immediately overnight? Absolutely not. And so Paul realizes he's talking to people from intense, demonic, perverse, uh, uh, pagan lifestyle, okay? Uh, worshiping all kind of gods, um, you know, and we've talked about this probably every week. So I just like to bring that up so you can understand where Paul's come from. And he's speaking to people that come from very intense, 
uh, religious backgrounds and the, the Jewish tradition. So he is speaking to like these, these polar opposites and, and kind of bringing them in to, to focus on Christ. So therefore, be imitators of God. Okay, so that's where we get that word mimic, okay? That, that word imitators, and, and it means to emulate. What does this mean? That in Christ, isn't this, this is profound here, that we as broken humans, by God's grace, can emulate God. We can imitate God. We can, by his grace, mimic God as a child uh, does his father. That's why it's, I love the association here, imitate God as dear children. Like if you look at a child and how they emulate or sometimes we'll be walking somewhere and we'll see a family in front of us walking and my wife will point out and she'll be like, wow, that's definitely a family. They all walk the same. That like, like you see a mom and a daughter and my wife can call it out. Don't even look at their face, just watching how they walk, right? That, that, that daughter is emulating, mimicking without even trying, right? It's in her DNA. Like she's, you know, and then you'll see a father and a son and you just see my wife even noticed with Dominico and Gia, they, especially Gia, I think, but if I'm like, like the way I stand, my posture, my legs, the way I kind of lock my knees when I stand, my daughter does the same thing, right? So she is imitating me. She is my dear child. She is imitating me. And so we, as people of God, followers of Christ, we are graced. We can do this. I'm saying right now, you might have areas of your life. And we're going to get into some, some real stuff here, right? Or, or maybe some things you've been through. But we, by God's grace, can imitate him, that we can be like him. We are his body. We can, people can meet us and, and experience um, the, the supernatural presence of God through us, the forgiveness and love and grace and power of the Holy Spirit. It's not us, but but, but people can experience him through us. This is true. We, we represent him. Amen. And so it says two and, and verse two and walk in love. And, and so what Paul's getting at here is look, before I get into what I'm really going to get into with you folks here in these next, in this next chapter, um, he's like, man, you can imitate God and you can, you can walk with God. You can, you can walk in love. God is love. You can do this. And this word walk, it really speaks of where the rubber meets the road. Like, you know, God has done all this. He, he, he's, he's positioned us. We are seated above principalities and powers. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. All of these amazing, beautiful things that speak to what God has done for us. And he's like, okay, therefore, because of that, now walk in love. Now live it out. And this word walk means to, it means to live as proof of what has been professed. Okay, this is what it means. It means to prove that what has happened has really happened. God, by his grace, will empower you to imitate him and to walk in love. So let's continue Ephesians chapter five, verse three. Ephesians five, verse three. I'm gonna read to verse seven. And here we go. He starts to get into some things that the, 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 the Greco-Roman culture was, um, this is how they lived. This is, this is just, this was culturally acceptable. Okay, now they come into Christ, they're in the body, they're in the house of God, and he's like, here we go. So he starts poignantly naming literal 
uh, lifestyles and sin that ought not to be as we walk with Christ, okay? And so here we go, verse three to verse seven. But fornication, and we'll kind of get into these a little bit. I'm gonna read all the way to verse seven. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Verse four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting. Okay, they're not fitting. He, he, he knows who he's talking to. He's, he's in that world. He's been there. He was there, um, you know, for, for a, he was spent time in Ephesus longer than any other place he stopped in. So he, he's aware. He knows these people, okay? And she's like, man, guys, this is not fitting. He's challenging them. Why? Because obviously some were still living this way. Obviously some had come out of that. Obviously he's pastoring these people, right? And so he's like, man, guys, this isn't fitting. This doesn't fit, okay? But rather giving of thanks. Verse five, for this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, okay? Let no one deceive you with empty words. So obviously people are in the church or in, the, in that environment or just the influence of culture at the time. They're saying, hey guys, this is okay. This is fine. You can live like this. You can sleep with all kind of women. And you know what I'm saying? And, it, and now we're talking to believers now. I'm not speaking of, I'm not, I'm speaking in context. So he's, he's writing to the church. I, you know, he's writing to the local body in this city, in this region, actually, in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, right? And he's, and he's saying, look, this doesn't fit. And don't let folks lie to you with empty words. Like this is not okay. The wages of sin is death, as he wrote in the, to the Roman church. That you know that, that that this is sin. This will kill you. Like the sin kills. That's what it does. Period. The, the the thief has not come to but to steal, kill, and destroy. That is what the devil does. That is what sin does. There is nothing good that comes of sin. And he is specific because that's who he's talking to. Okay, he's not just throwing out random sins. Right? Because there's a lot of them. Am I right? He, he's talking to his community. And he's like, hey, man, y'all cannot be just giving yourselves over to any kind of sexual desire. You know what I'm saying? Like, and he gets into marriage here. So it's like, if you're married, man, like that, you can't be sleeping with other people. That's not fitting. If, if you're not married, you can't just be having sex with other people. Right, and so if you're if you're the same sex, you, you can't be having sex with one another. Like that, that uh, in fornication, you got a lot of different stuff. I know we kind of use the term for sex outside of marriage, and it does mean that. But it is any type of sexual immorality, it's any kind of um, um, any kind of sexual activity that is outside of what God has deemed holy in a marriage covenant between a man and a woman. So, 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 so Paul is in prison and he's writing this to this church and saying, guys, why? Because he knows that sin kills. He knows that nothing good comes of it. 
all right? And he is talking to the church. So look at the reality of this, for him to have a community in Ephesus and to have people coming from such lifestyles, these two extremes of religious and and, and extremely um, perverse and just wide open to anything and everything. I mean, in, in that culture, it was just common for grown men to have sex with children. And there was, in the culture, there was nothing wrong with that. There, there was nothing wrong with, 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 um, with, with orgies that, that were, that had this religious paganistic undertone. The, the, the temple of Diana was ran by priestesses and they, it was filled with temple prostitutes. It's kind of this sexual promiscuity was just in the culture, but also in the pagan ritual and religion. And there was no boundaries, anything, whatever you feel like, whatever God you want to worship. It was just, um, you know, it's called um, synchronicity or synchronization, meaning the Roman Empire was like, hey, we're cool if you worship whatever you want to worship, just worship it along with everything else like like. We're, we're, everybody's worshiping the same God anyway. So let's just put all your idols, um, you know, up and it's all good. Do your thing because the Roman empire didn't want tension. So they're like, just, just, but you have to worship everything. So even to purchase and to engage in the marketplace, you had, they, they, they infused pagan worship in that. Like, like the economy itself was, was, was driven along with the synchronization of, of whatever and every God you could think of. And the Christians and the Jews at the time were like, no, no, Jesus is Lord. He's the only one I'm gonna worship. And so hence persecution um, and, and ostracized, uh, they, they, they ostracized them from society. And, 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 um, and Christians were looked at as, as being, being very stubborn because they're like, just be a part of our culture. Like, just put it all up. Just join every, like, you know, why can't your God, where's your idol? And they're like, we don't have one. We, we don't have an idol. We don't, we don't have a statue. We, we worship the invisible God. That's why many, in the early church, that word was used very much because they had to, they had to, that the only language they had to use was he's invisible. We, we don't worship statues made with hands. We have encountered Christ. He has forgiven our sins and we worship him and him alone. We don't see him with our eyes. We're people of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, you know? And so we, 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 don't, we don't worship him in temples made with hands. We, he dwells within us. We are his temple. Like, so it just the Roman empire nor the pagan community understood this. They were confused. They're like, this is where you're, you're not, you're not fitting into culture here. Okay, so here's Paul. You know, his life is on the line here. And he says, for this you know, verse five, that no fornicator, unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay, it's a habitual lifestyle. Now, he was pastoring these people. Let me get back to this thought. And I mean, history and this, this context, it tells you that he was pastoring people that were, that were struggling with this stuff, obviously. So in them being a part of this community, Paul wasn't saying, they weren't kicking them out of their church or banishing them, but he was challenging them to live holy. He, you know, and we don't know exact storylines, right? But why is he telling the church this? Because the church was coming out of that. The church, church meaning the people, were, or potentially they're bringing their aunties and uncles, their cousins, their brothers, sisters that are still in it, like, and, and the, the, you know, they're, 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 they're getting baptized. They're getting saved. And now it's like, now 
Let's imitate God. Let, let's walk in love, okay? And so he's dealing with the tension of where God wants to take them and where they're at and where they've come from, okay? Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. Why? Because sin demands wrath. It, 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 it calls for, why? Because the wages of sin is death. Jesus on the cross is, is, is a manifestation. It's a, it's a picture of the wrath of God towards sin. And Jesus took it, right? But if we live in sin, that sin will cause death. That sin attracts the wrath and judgment of God because it's sin, all right? It's verse seven. He said, now, now look, he's talking to the church, saying, look guys, therefore do not be partakers with them. Why? Because some of them were partaking with them. Don't do, come on, y'all need some boundaries. So fornication, quickly here. Fornication, it really means, it's a Greek word. It's where we get the word pornography or or uh, uh, porneho. It, it's where we use in English pornography as like imagery, but that Greek word is actually any type of sexual activity that's outside the covenant of marriage. It's fornication, okay? Now there's other terms used, adultery, which is literally to mix your marriage with sexual activity with someone that you're not in covenant with. So adultery means mixture, okay? But fornication means um, selling off or surrendering of your sexual purity. It means to surrender to sexual desire that is not pleasing to God, okay? It means promiscuity of any and every type. So I'm just reading the definition. Uncleanness means, and these are some of the words we just read, impure morally. Covetousness means lusting for a greater number of temporal things that go beyond what God determines is eternally best. Um, that uh, covetousness too is aggression. Many times people that are aggressive, for things, and they're just, that's all that, that, that is, that is the manifestation of a covetous person. They're just like more, more money, more sex, more, you know what I mean? It's just, it's an aggression. It's a desire for advantage. That's what covetousness means. Covetousness means lusting for a greater number of temporal things that go beyond what God determines is eternally best. So this is who he's talking to, these people that are just driven. It's like this aggression. Uh, many times people, you know, even in our world, uh, you might know, uh, or you're, maybe yourself was that way, or it's something that you honestly have to keep in check and submit to the Lord is this aggression for more, like more money, more prestige, more success, more sex, whatever. It, it's it, uh, covetousness means aggression. It means an unhealthy desire for advantage. Okay, and um, that that this is what he's talking about. That this is not fitting for us, right? Uh, filthiness is obscene or indecency. And and when he uses the word fitting, hey guys, this isn't fitting. He uses the word fitting twice in Ephesians 5 that these things aren't fitting for us. They don't fit. They're not suitable or proper for us. They they might be something you're struggling with, but God wants to deliver you of that, touch you, surrender that, repent of that, turn from that, call for God to, 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 to move in your life, seek him, Lord, deliver me, God, uh, set me free here. And so our spiritual maturity and our spiritual life um, determines what, we can, what we walk in. Can I get an amen? Now, he's talking about imitate God. He's talking about walk, walking in love. 
and so, and then he talks about, man, if you live this kind of life, e- e- Ephesian church, if, if, you're, if, you've got, if you're living this life, if you are living a willful, sinful life, just sleeping around, um, do, do, you know, coming part of this community, but then, you know, part of pagan community and, you know, whatever the mixture is, he, he's like, man, you, you, you can't inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. And I know theologians and a lot of people go, well, does that mean like the kingdom now or like the kingdom later? Does that mean like I can't walk in it in the earth, but, you know, I'll get saved by grace and go to heaven later? I mean, I, I mean, when you speak of inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God, I mean, it's speaking of every both. You know, um, I, you know, I'm not here to make a statement like, oh, you know, because we got to be careful because some people will read the scripture and it's almost like, oh, OK, so so, yeah, that's saying heaven. So, or, or, or sorry, that's saying like, um, uh, maybe, maybe they're saying, oh, that means, oh, in the here and now, but I'll still go to heaven. But, but we, like, let's not try to reason our way around scripture so we can just live how our flesh and sinful nature desires. Can I get an amen? Um, you know, and, and look at, God is working in your life. God is moving in your life. I, I, I spoke at a local church here last week at a men's a gathering and I shared with the men, look, man, like um, you got to learn and we as men must learn how to keep moving with God and keep obeying God even when we're wounded. Like we got to learn how to how to play the game when we're hurt in a sense. Get, now we got to take time to heal and we got, I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying that the Bible says, in, in Prophet Isaiah said, that uh, a, a broken, uh, sorry, a bruised reed he will not break and a smoking flax he will not quench. Meaning, you might be broken, you might be struggling, you might be dealing with some of this. This stuff might be some stuff you've lived and you've come out of, um, but you, you know, you gotta move forward with God. You gotta shake that stuff off, man. You gotta get up out of that mess. Right, and you gotta pursue the Lord even while it feels like, man, I'm limping, but I'm gonna still keep going after God even in and through my struggle. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so your lifestyle determines your eternal inheritance. Your lifestyle determines your divine, that's what he's saying. And so here it is, here it is, here's my next point. Sin robs us of divine inheritance. Can I get an amen? Our spiritual maturity and our spiritual life determines what God can give us, what, what we can walk in. Jesus has already died for it all. It's made available to us. That's what Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 says. But now he's saying, hey, hey, therefore, imitate God. Therefore, walk in love. Therefore, deal with this stuff. You, you know what I'm saying? This not, not being your lifestyle. Come on, clean it up. Get it out of you, right? We gotta learn to have mercy with people in their process, but we gotta, we gotta be people that, that, speak the truth in love, and we don't compromise in the name of love. That we don't compromise truth in the name of love and that we don't use truth as a weapon to destroy people, but we speak the truth in love. And I understand there's a tension here between where people really are and where God's taking them and what they're living in, but, they're, but they seem like they're pursuing the Lord, they're walking with the Lord. Yes, so what is the point here? Let's continue to go after God and seek Him for grace and mercy and strength and, and pray and fast, get in the word. I mean, w- w- this ought to drive us to seek the Lord like never before and drive us to learn 
the will of God and to know it, all right? This is why it's so important. Like if you think about that real quick here, the prodigal son, I shared this with the men this past Tuesday. Everything the prodigal son had, everything the father had, the son had right to, period. Hebrew tradition, He's an, he inherits it. It's his. He has every right to it, but he wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready for it. And, and, and there's a correlation between inheritance and maturity. There's a correlation here. There is a correlation, all right? And so um, verse eight, let's read verse eight, Ephesians 5, eight verse to verse 14. For you were once, he, he starts to talk about this. Look at this, let me just read this. I think this is gonna say a lot if I just read the scripture here. Let me just read this. Once again, Ephesians chapter five, verse eight to 14. I'm just gonna read this. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, and have, look at guys, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Verse 13, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest as light. Verse 14, therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. My next point, this is a walk of discovery. I love this in here. He was very strong with his words that we just read. And even now it's very strong, it's very strong, it's very challenging. Come on now, live right, get holy before the Lord. Separate yourself. Don't mix yourself in the spirit of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, perversion, pagan worship, idolatry, covetous. Don't, don't. Get up out of that mess, Ephesian church, right? And then he says, man, you got, you got to look at finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Like this is a walk of discovery. This is a walk of learning, a walk of, of learning. Like, come on, guys, start walking with God here, right? And, he, and he's like, look, this is how you're going to find out. You, you might not know. Sometimes there are sins we commit in ignorance. It's very true. And not all of them, if we're honest. Come on now. Sometimes we do, we sin and we know it's a sin and we do it anyway. Somebody say amen. Sometimes we know it's foolish and we do it anyway. But sometimes in ignorance. In ignorance. And he's like, man, you know, find out what is acceptable to the Lord. And he's like, man, you know, so finding out, examine, distinguish. This is where this is where our will comes in, our responsibility to grow in our relationship with God, to grow in Christ, to grow spiritually. And look, I love this wording here. He's speaking of very um, culturally acceptable sins that from God's perspective are dark, ungodly, and perverse. And he's saying to expose the works and expose the things, not the people. So this is what we need to do. Instead of shaming people, let's expose the sin. Instead of shaming people, let's expose the devil. Instead of shaming a broken soul, right? Let's expose the works of darkness. All right, let's look at verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15, he continues with this. See then that you walk circumspectly. Here's that word walk again. That word circumspectly comes from a Greek word, which is akrobos or akrobes. It's where we get the word acrobat. And he's like, you need to walk like this. 
Ephesian church. You need to walk, you know, on the highway of holiness. It speaks of, of being, walking in a lifestyle higher, uh, you know, the, the high point or extreme. It, it means, and it means to be accurate. It means to walk, this is what he's talking about. Walk on a higher level than the world. Not, not prideful, but higher not sunken into the depths of sin, the base things, the base desires, but live higher and live accurate. That's what it means to be high and accurate. That's why they use the word acrobat, right? Because they're high and they're on a tightrope and they need to be accurate. Look at step up your game, Ephesian church. Walk accurately, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. All right, this, uh, Paul is preaching to this church. Verse 17 and 18, Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. Therefore, do not be unwise, but here is that more discovery language here again, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Don't get drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Drunkenness is a counterfeit because he, he, he's saying this is the remedy. I mean, this, is, this, is, this was rampant in his culture. And he's like, don't do that. Walk, walk circumspectly. You know what I'm saying? Uh, getting high on drugs, that's a counterfeit. It, it's, that's what the Bible, you know, don't get drunk with wine, which is, in, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. The, be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, let's look at verse 19. Ephesians 5, 19 to 21. Here it is, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. It's amazing how much of our spiritual connection with other believers is connected to our personal freedom. I mean, he's talking about, man, get your life right, man. Get up out of that mess, right? Uh, walk right, walk in love, imitate God, walk circumspectly, come out of sin. Don't be partakers with them. Don't get drunk with wine. And then he goes on and he really starts to bring up some language here that's speaking of a Christian community, like people, relationships, a spiritual exchange between believers, and, you know, fellowship, and he's really kind of tying this in here. And I, I really believe this, that fellowship with believers is a remedy to your addictions. Not that they save you, but there, there's something in context here that he's talking to people in church that are getting drunk. Don't He's saying don't do it. Why? Because people were doing it. And he's like, don't be doing that. And then he goes right into speaking to one another like, I'm telling you in my own personal life, fellowship with other believers has been something that has kept me. I mean, God has really used that. Just real relationships with people serving the Lord with me. And, and you know, and, and it just helps a brother out. It helps me walk with the Lord, having people that love God in my midst, got the presence of God on them. And, and it's they're just an exchange. And he's saying, man, speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Community in Christ 
I'm telling you, it's part of our healing and spiritual growth. And worship and praise is also a remedy to addiction and perversion. I'm telling you, this is, is like, this is walking with God 101, folks. This isn't super deep like, oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for that. No, this is God's grace that I have encountered and then walking in love as a result. Like that my life, he's talking about, what's he talking about here, man? The gospel story reshapes every part of our story. Now he's gonna get a little more personal. A little more personal here. Here we go, verse 22. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, is also Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. And he's speaking to an environment here where they got a whole temple, one of the seven wonders of the world, and it has um, a bunch, uh, it's ran by um, uh, pagan priestesses, and he's speaking of now the, uh, the, the, the sacredness of marriage between a husband and a wife. And in this culture at the time, we just read how to be submitted to one another. And that the context of that was something unheard of then, that, that positions and hierarchy in the world um, were, were kind of the norm. And he's saying we in Christian community are submitted to one another, right? And so here he, he really starts to get personal. And so here's my next point. And, and I'll explain it, but the gospel gets in the kitchen. And I, I use that term at times, like, man, up in the kitchen. Why? Because kitchen is a phrase um, that I've heard and I kind of use where it's like, that's where it gets real personal, getting all up in the kitchen, right? It's privacy, it's the home. And the gospel gets up in there. The gospel ought to get up in there. It must get up in our proverbial kitchen, if you will. The gospel story must reshape us on a level that reaches the privacy of our home life. If it does not, something's wrong. The gospel isn't a call to a perfect or faultless life, but it is a call to a, a life that is being changed and reshaped over time. Let's look at verse 25. Verse 25 to 27, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her for cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, verse 27, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. But speaking of the love of God, really, uh, and the, the love of Christ for us, that husbands ought to love as Christ loves the church, and, and that when we get married, she is sanctified, she is set apart, and the love of God leads to sanctification and holiness. It leads to separation. The love of God doesn't lead to a sinful life. The love of God does not lead to excuses to live a sinful life. The love of God truly in action leads to a holy, sanctified, separate life unto him. Agape, love, by definition, it's, it's a word that really means, um, this is the word used, the Greek word agape, it speaks of exclusivity. It's, a, it's an exclusive term. It means that God has chosen to love us exclusively, meaning in that relationship with him, he gives all of himself to us, intimately, personally, and individually, and we in turn, give all of ourselves to him. Agape is exclusive. It is everything. God sent his only begotten son. Jesus gave his life 
for us. He is our husband. We are his bride. This is the beauty of our covenant with God. And so uh, I, when I chose to uh, marry Crystal Gill, ask her to marry me, I agape her. I said, I am wholly yours. There's nobody else in this equation. Nobody else is getting up in this bed, right? And she, the same to me, agape is a sacred love. It is exclusive. It, it, we do not mix this thing. And it's speaking of God's love for us. Here we go. Hallelujah. I agape Crystal Gale. I chose her above all others. I belong to her and she belongs to me exclusively. Hallelujah. So he's tying in their, their, their sin in these people's lives with what Christ did and how marriage ought to be. There's no mixture. If there's mixture in our lives, church, let's get it out. Repent, turn, Lord, forgive me of my covetousness, perversion, lust, pornography. I don't know, whatever it is. Lord, here, God, touch me, save me, show me, teach me, show me what the will of God is. Show me how to do this. Help me, Lord, help me, help me, deliver me, save me, set me free. All right, hallelujah. And same with marriage. It's just, it's just husband and wife, that's it. It's todo, no mas. All right, hallelujah. Here we go, we're gonna finish this. Ephesians chapter five, verse 28. We're gonna read to verse 33. This is the end of the chapter. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. Verse 31, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, exclusivity and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. I'm telling you folks, the gospel gets in the kitchen. It, it, get, it gets in, in our home life. It gets in the privacy of our home. It gets in the privacy of our life. It gets in the closets. It gets in the trap doors, the hidden things. The gospel is, this is the light of God, the glorious gospel that shines like Jesus is the light of the world, shining in our life. The, the, whatever makes manifest is light. This gospel, Lord, Lord, shine your light on us. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you shine the light of the gospel on us. Lord, that you shine the, 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 the light of your spirit, the light of your word, this glorious gospel, whatever makes manifest is light. So God, make it known. Shine your light on every aspect of our being and change us, Lord. Make us more like you, God. Show us how to walk circumspectly. Show us how to walk on that highway of holiness, God. Show us how to walk accurately in the spirit so we can be a true example of who Christ is in the earth. And we thank you, God, for all these things in Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.